Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Encourage us, uh, stir up our hearts, Heavenly Father, and, and just speak into our hearts and challenge us, especially in this season that we find ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. For a few minutes, I want to talk about the power of God. Um, it's something that God has been impressing very strongly on my heart. And it's, it, I can understand why as we come out of pursuit of God. Um, it's almost like I've been saying to people, God is saying, don't take your foot off the accelerator. We're about to experience things that we've never experienced before as a church. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, 23 to 24, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. If there's no power palpably, clearly demonstrated in a church, then it's a gathering unto religion, but not unto God. The nature of the kingdom of God, as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20, is that it is not in word, in eloquence or impressive words, but is by the demonstration of power. One of the graces that we saw in the early church was how this group of people who didn't have the resources that the church has today, walked in such a demonstration of power. They might not have had the silver and gold that we have. But as the apostles said when they met that man who was lying at the beautiful gate, such as I have, I give unto you, rise up and work. What was he saying? We might not have the billions, but we have the power. A powerless church is a, is a travesty. A lot of where we find ourselves as the church worldwide is because we've got so many other things right. But the world can see that there is no power. The disciples in the early church had been arrested. They'd been beaten. They'd been threatened and told that they must never preach again in the name of Jesus. What did they do? They went, once they were released, they went back to where they were having a prayer meeting. And the prayer meeting moved to another level. And this is a part of their prayer. Acts 4, verse 29 to 30. 
They cried out, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They said, Lord, you need to show yourself. How are you going to do that? Stretch out your hand. Give your servants boldness. And in these times where anything you say, the culture tries to cancel you out. You must have boldness now to speak the word of God. And they said, stretch out your hand. Let's see your power. Heal and let signs and wonders be done through the name of your son, Jesus. And if there's anything that comes clear to you as you read the Bible, it is that the Bible gets that, tries to get that message across to us. Whether we get it or not is the challenge. That the God we serve is an all-powerful God. <laughs> I remember my pastor, Dr. Nuzo, he said to me that until a person comes to term, terms with the omnipotence of God, that person's Christian life is limited. We must understand that this God is really all-powerful. We must understand, as the psalmist says in Psalm 62 verse 11, God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. It must sink into the core of our being. That we serve a God, as the psalmist says in Psalms 105 verse 3, who is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. Jeremiah declares to God, and this declaration must be mine and yours, out of Jeremiah 32 verse 17, our Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. There is nothing, God, that you cannot do. And as if he wants us to understand that himself, God says in the 27th verse, of that scripture, Jeremiah 32. I am the Lord God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And maybe we need to immerse ourselves in some of the stories. And the Bible is full of them. Because the Bible wants us to understand as we walk with God. That he is all powerful, omnipotent. Because for some of the things we are believing God for, he has to show his power. He comes along. I might get a chance to tell you a few of these stories. He chooses the patriarch of our faith, Abraham. He chooses him for a purpose. He's going to be the father of, of nations. Calls him out from where he was, his father's, his father's land. 
and calls him to him God. He goes to Abraham and says to him in Genesis the 15th chapter, 17th chapter, pardon me, verse, from verse 15. As he establishes a covenant with him, he says to him, Sarah, your wife, I'm changing her name from Sarai to Sarah. I'm going to bless her and give her a son. She's going to be a mother of nations. Kings of people will be from her. Abraham looks at his age. At this point, Sarah is a few months away from 90. He is a few months away from 100. And can you blame him when he looks at the circumstances and the Bible says he laughs? He says, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? He looks at the circumstances in the natural. God makes him a promise. But he looks at the natural circumstances. How is this going to happen? How is God going to do this? And I'm sure I'm speaking to someone who has a promise from God. But the natural circumstances are standing strong are speaking loudly against the voice of the promise. How is God going to do this? For those of us who are burdened with revival in this nation and in the nations of the world, we could so easily be saying the same thing. How is God going to do this? And you just want to read the account in Genesis, the 18th chapter, and start to get a sense of how God does these things, where he shows himself mighty, and he will show himself mighty on your behalf. I love that story, the first 15 verses of Genesis, the 18th chapter. I think you could learn so much as to how you position yourself for God to show himself mighty. The Bible says the Lord appeared to him by the turbine trees of Mamre and he was sitting in the, tenth in the tent door in the day of the heat. Now, I love the fact that the Lord appeared to him, which tells me that it wasn't instigated by Abraham. It was instigated by God. Uh, because sometimes we think that we can force God. We think that our works can commend us to God. I just want you to relax. It's God who has decided to show himself mighty in your life. Uh, the few people who I heard the amen from here, then it's you people. Uh, those who are typing amen on, 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 online, then it's you. And those who are saying amen at the hub is you. God appeared to him. It was God who instigated the process. Can I say to someone that uh, uh, this season, God is instigating a process where he will demonstrate his power to you. Yeah. And he was sitting in the tent door in the, in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, three men were standing by him. I mean, he was sitting at the tent door. I wondered to myself, and this might be a bit of a stretch because the Bible doesn't say so. But I, I, I wondered that perchance he was sitting there not just dozing, but meditating, thinking, reflecting. 
with the promise that God had made, building his faith that God will do what God says he will do. Whatever he was doing there, it wasn't anything that stopped him from seeing what God was going to do. Because the Bible says he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, there were three men. My prayer for us is that we will see what God wants us to see. Because, you know, when God wants to do these things, he doesn't necessarily come how we want him to come. And sadly, many have missed the move of God, missed the moment with God, missed an instance, not seen a door that was open because they were looking for the obvious. Thankfully, he looked and he saw and he recognized, that's the important thing, that these three men were not ordinary men. Uh, he, he knew that this is something special shaping up to happen. And when he saw them, he ran from the tenth door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. Now, that's what told me that he knew these are no ordinary men. He wasn't worshipping men. He just had a sense that this has something to do with God. And he hastened to the place where he worshipped them. May there be an urgency about what you're doing. May you, not, may you not get to this place where you're careless with the things of God. May there be an urgency. You're, you're, you're coming to church. There's an urgency because you have an appointment with God. Don't come to Jesus' house for religious reasons. We passed, we are not, we, we, hopefully we're never even there and we're certainly not, not, not there now. When you come to church, if you're here in person, when you log on, if you're logging on online, when you go to the hub in Greenwich, you're going with a sense of urgency. And someone should be able to say, what are you going with that sense of urgency and intent? And you should be able to tell them, I'm going to meet with God. It's not a social club. It's a place where we come to have an encounter with the living God. And every time you come, well, you log on or you go to Greenwich, you must leave having changed because you have had an encounter with the living God. He says, my Lord, if I have now found favor on your side, do not pass on by your servant. <laughs> I pray that will be your cry. Amen. That God, this season, that it is clear that you are visiting this church. Don't pass me by. While on others thou art calling, Lord, do not pass me by. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves on another tree and I will bring a muscle of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by in as much as you have come to your servant. Now, he was offering physical food. May we have the grace to offer God what he wants. Uh, that's why it's called a sacrifice of praise and a sacrifice of worship. Someone said to me, you're going to be worshiping at Wembley for five hours and a bit. I said, it's a, I'm saying to you, it's a sacrifice. May God receive our sacrifice. That's why, that's why it's called an altar. In the days God, they would bring the animals to the altar, slaughter the animals, and burn it on the altar. On Friday, we are bringing our worship and our praise. 
And in the same way that the incense of the animals would be pleasing to God when it was done how he wanted it done, may our sacrifice of praise and worship be pleasing to God. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine, fine meal. Knead it and make the cakes. And Abraham ran to the head. And you notice there's a whole sense of urgency with Abraham. He's not strolling around. He gets it. This is a moment. This is a time. This is a, this is a season. This is a door that is open. Let's not miss the opportunity. That's why he's, he's hurrying, hurrying to Sarah, telling Sarah to hurry, hurrying to get the lamb. There's a whole sense of urgency of someone who understands the times and the seasons. How can anyone be in Jesus' house and not know that this month of June is the most significant month in the history of this church? Never have we been at a place that we are at now. Can somebody be in this church and not know that? Then that would be a challenge. Because it means the person has not understood what is happening. And that there is truly a great door that has been opened to us. Albeit many adversaries trying to stop us from going into it. A great door in your life. A great door for your family. A great door for this church. By the end of this month, this, this church will, will, will not be the same church that you came into. Then, after he took the food to them, he set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? You know, <laughs> if, there's a, if there's a principle that's clear in the Bible, you can instigate a response from heaven. Did you hear what I said? You can instigate a response from heaven. After Solomon had done all the sacrifice in a thousand animals, filled the whole of God's chamber with the smell of burning animals. The Bible says that night. Someone say with me that night. No, it wasn't the next night. That night, God came to Solomon and gave him a blank check. What do you want? You can instigate a response from heaven. I hope somebody is going, to, is going to instigate a response from heaven. I know what I'm saying. You can instigate a response from heaven. There's a certain sacrificial giving that instigates a response from heaven. I know because I have done it before. My wife will tell you. There's a certain sacrificial giving where God knows that this is sacrifice. I'm stepping out on a limb as I saw this. There's a certain sowing that we do from a, safe, from a place of safety. There's a young man who I know. In his 20s. He was fighting the battle of his life. If the battle went wrong, he was dead. And I mean that literally. And one day the young man told me that he had shut down his accounts. 
shut down all his investments in this church and that he had sold it. The 20-something-year-old boy. I said, you did that? All the investment shares, he said he cashed everything and sold it. That was one of the things that I knew would instigate a response from heaven. That's sacrificial. There's praise and there's a sacrifice of praise. 15 minutes of praise, 20 minutes that we do here in Jesus' house on a normal service, 20 minutes. It's not a sacrifice of praise. It's just we praise. Sacrifice. Is your foregoing something for that? There's a sacrifice when you are tempted and especially if you're tempted in an area of weakness but you, you tie yourself you know that, that Greek, the Greek mythology about the sirens you, you know that Greek mytho- you, you know it, yeah, yeah so, so those, those, those those creatures that would stay on an island and sing. And all the sailors who are passing by will be enticed by the enchanting sounds that are coming from their, from their bodies and would steer their boats towards them, unknown to them, jagged rocks would cause the boats to sink and the sailors would lose their lives. How did one person pass by them without being enchanted? He stuffed his ears with wax so he couldn't hear. But he didn't just stop there. He then tied himself to the mast. So tied to the mast, ears stuffed with wax. Those creatures started to sing. He couldn't hear. Even if he could hear, he couldn't untie himself. Somebody go and tie yourself to Christ. Tie yourself. So when, when Philomena shakes her waist, you're tight. One day Philomena is going to catch me and deal with me. Somebody told me that for always using that name. But on a serious note, you're tight. You're tight. When the heavens see that, that's a sacrifice. It instigates a response. And the list is endless. Where's Sarah, your wife? He said she's here in the tent. And then God says, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, by this time, incidentally, Abraham's faith had grown a bit. So he wasn't laughing now. And that's the beauty about faith. It grows. You don't have to be where you are today, tomorrow. But it grows by application. Because, because Romans 10 verse 17, by hearing and hearing the word of God. And hearing is, is, is you read it, you study it, you hear it in your spirit, you speak it out, you hear it. And faith then grows. So Abraham wasn't in the same place. He wasn't laughing with Sarah by this time. But Sarah was still where, where he was. 
It says, now Abraham and Sarah were old and well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. That's a fact. And let's not be foolish to not accept the fact. It's a fact. It's a fact. The pain is a fact. The finances are a fact. The obstacle is a fact. But the question always is, what does God say is the truth? Because truth always overcomes the facts. So, of, of course, they were advanced in age. Of course, she was past the age of childbearing. But when you focus on the facts, you'll be like Sarah. Sarah laughed. And she said within herself, after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Sarah, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? How did God know? She said it within herself. So God searches the heart. That's why I say to people, 10 people can say it is well to you. The 10 mean different things. Somebody's looking at your circumstances. In their mind, they are saying, hey, this girl is finished though. Then they say to you, ah, my sister, it is well. God is looking at the heart saying, just that is a waste of time, time, time. Because she's looking at the thing. Her heart is trembling. You, 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 take, you take some situations to some people, they look at it, and their mind is saying, wow, this is over. Then they say to you, God is faithful. He will do it. <laughs> but do you know there are some people, when they say it is well, <laughs> because of the God they serve and where they are standing, with God. That it is well is not a platitude. It's a prophetic declaration that everything in heaven and, uh, and on earth and below the earth must go to work to make it well. If it wasn't well before I said it is well, it has to start to become well now because I have declared that it is well. That's why when you have such people around you, it's, it's a blessing. When they say good morning, it's not an English greeting. It's a prophetic declaration. The morning must be good. And you know how they get to that point is that in the place where prayers are answered, they are used to their voice. So when they get to that level, they can't be careless. That's how the prophet caused the bear to kill young children. Because he forgot as to the authority that he had. It's a blessing to have a father who's like that. A husband who's like that. A wife who's like that. It's a blessing to have those people in relationships. Because when they speak... It is not just casual conversation. There is a prophetic dimension to what they are saying. So may our words line up with our hearts. 
May our words line up with our hearts. And the beauty about this story is that when Sarah laughed, thank God for mercy. Thank God for grace. Because God could have got irritated with her and that would have been the end. But God is not you and God is not me. He goes on to say, is anything too hard for the Lord? And then he goes on to declare, at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. It will happen exactly as I have said it will happen. And how many know that was exactly the case? Genesis 21 verses 1 and 2. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. The Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. He will visit you as he has said. He will do for you as he has spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken. Amen? He will do exactly what he has said he would do. I could tell you a few more stories. Uh, but time doesn't even allow me to tell all those stories. I could tell you stories of creation. See God's power in creation. You marvel. You know, the psalmist understood God's power in creation. And he penned Psalms 33, especially verses 6 to 12. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Just, just excite yourself you know, with, with these stories. He brings the whole nation out, demonstrates his power. Like I was saying to them in Fresh Fire, uh, the, 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 he, the, the Pharaoh thought, you know, the enemy, he flexes. But if you know God, you know where it's going to end. So some of what he's doing to you is flexing. But in the end, we will know who power belongs to. Yeah, he throws, Aaron throws his rod. He calls his boys, Janice and Jambres, throw yours. Aaron's rod becomes a snake. Their rods become snakes. So don't let people tell you that there are no dark powers. Of course there are dark powers. That's why Paul says we wrestle against principalities and powers. He understands their powers. You know, uh, one day I should get Apostle Yemi to tell you some of what he encountered in the Republic of Benin. You know, there are countries that are steeped in the dark arts. Republic of Benin is very high. <laughs> no, no, they're not, they not messing about in that, in that place. He, he, one day he'll tell you some of those stories. But in the end, eh, Janice and Jambres' rods became snakes. But what happened in the end? One snake swallowed all the other snakes. 
Just a clear demonstration. He brings a whole nation out by a clear demonstration of power. Humbles every god of the Egyptians. Every plague was directed at a god. And then when he finishes humbling them, he now deals with Pharaoh himself by taking his firstborn and saying, what he was saying, you dared to touch my firstborn. I will deal with your firstborn, the firstborn of everyone in this land, and for good measure, the firstborn of every animal. Then you will know that there's a God in heaven. May God show himself mighty on your behalf. When he delivered them and took them through the Red Sea, they had no choice but to respond in praise. And listen to some of the words of the praise as we come towards an end. Exodus 15 Verses 6 to 14. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. Your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright like a hip. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on, on them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. How many know that he has said that? But then this is the outcome. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You in your mercy led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Can anybody please praise my God with me wherever you are, please. Please, please, if you, if, you, if, you are not, if you are not, if you are not glad that you're on his side, please praise my God with me. Go on, let's begin to give him praise. Begin to give him praise. Go on, in the harbor online, we exalt his holy name. There is no one like him. We hail him, our commander-in-chief, the Lord of hosts, the God of the heavenly armies. We hail him, the commander of the heavenly battalions. Who is like unto our God? There is no one like you, O God. All-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, the everlasting God. God, will somebody praise him with me? Will somebody praise him with me? Go on, begin to declare his praise. Begin to declare his praise. Begin to declare his praise. Oh, God, begin to praise him. Praise him. Praise him. We worship you, O God. We worship you, O God. There's no cause for arguments. You're God all by yourself. Your God all by yourself. Oh, go on, please. Jesus house, go on, go on. I somehow feel that your, ex your ex ex exalting him is a bit limited. Go on, open your mouth, open your mouth and praise him. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Oh, we bless you, God. We give you glory, Lord, as we honor you. We give you glory, Lord, as we honor you. You 
You know, you know, you know, the way you're giving him glory. I'm not sure about your story, but please, if you have no story, please join me with my story. If it wasn't for the Lord who was on my side, I will not be here. This God took me through the waters. He took me through the floods. He took me over the obstacle. He protected me when no, when, when, when no one was there to protect me. He provided for me. Is this somebody's story? If that's you, lift your voice. Give him the glory. We give you glory, Lord, as we honor you. All the glory is to you. Don't worry about me. I mean, you're trying to read me. You're tentative. I'm not feeling you. Just let's go. Let's go. Let yourself go on the drop.
follow that leading. Uh, there are some things that are still standing and the Lord wants to shake foundations so that they come down. And it is really just in the, the, the unction he puts on the song that you sing. 
And I just believe God that whatever is standing that's not of him will tremble and will fall. Amen. The Lord reigneth, let the earth tremble. He reigneth, let the earth tremble. The Lord reigneth, let the earth tremble. He reigneth, let the earth tremble. Oh, the Lord reigneth, let the earth tremble. He reigneth, let the earth tremble. The Lord reigneth, let the earth tremble. He reigneth, let the earth tremble. Oh, the Lord reigneth, let the earth tremble. Lift your voice. Go on here at the base. Lift your voice. Go on. Go on. It's a shout of victory. It's a shout of praise. It's a shout of triumph. It's a shout that says you've overcome. The Lord has said it. He will do it. Hallelujah. We bless you, God. We bless you. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Father. And so I declare over your life, wherever you are, online at, in Greenwich or here at the base, that the door that God has opened, no one will ever be able to close it. I declare that this is your season of visitation. That by the grace of God, you will see and you will respond. I declare that there's a scattering of every conspiracy against you or your family in the name of Jesus. I declare, this is general, but especially to someone at the hub, that the enemy has sought to cast down, but the Lord says right now, there's a lifting up that is coming your way. By the grace of God, I speak into a family and declare that there is a turnaround that is taking place now. There's a turnaround that is taking place now. I said there's a turnaround that is taking place right now in the name of Jesus. I hear the word in my spirit, dismantle. I hear it loud in my spirit. And so I declare that that obstacle has been dismantled. That impediment is dismantled. I hear the word dismantle, so it has been dismantled in the name of Jesus. The floodgates are open. The floodgates are open. And we join our faith to pray for the 30th, the altar. <laughs> On all our various platforms now, we join our faith to pray for the altar. That come the 1st of July, it will be a new dawn for every one of us. It will be a new dawn for your families. Oh, and it will be a new dawn for the Jesus House family in the name of Jesus. I see a gust of wind. And I see it very clearly in my, in my spirit mind. And the gust of wind is coming against a cloud that is dark. And the wind is moving the cloud away, away, away. And I declare that is someone's testimony in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray, O oh God, 
that we will give you all the glory. That no man will come near any part of it. I pray, O oh God, over all our lives that the result of this would be more of a hunger, more of a thirst, more of a desire for intimacy with you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Give God a clap offering as you make Pastor Bola welcome.